Hello and welcome to episode 125 of the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast. I'm on your host, Sam Reimer. And I'm Manny Manuel. Today, we're going to be talking about Manny's favorite horror movie of all time, as he stated 94 episodes ago, all the way back in episode 31. Uh, it's going to be Tremors that we're talking about today. We are continuing on with our Halloween Horror Month. We're in the back half of it now, episode three of it. And uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it. We truly are. And from here on out, we had some technical difficulties with the opening of the show, so we had to re-record it. So I apologize if this seems a little jarring as we move ahead with the episode. You, you excited? You, uh, you feeling good about today? So good. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can tell by your laugh that you're, uh, that you're maybe, maybe a, a little bit of the nerves, a little bit of the, the nervous giggles. All good. All good, my friend. <laughs> Uh, if people want to hear stupid bullshit from us on social media, uh, where can they, where can they find that? Uh, they can, uh, find us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. They can email us at Sam Manny movie podcast at gmail.com. They can follow us on Facebook at the Samuel Manuel movie podcast, and they can get us wherever they get their, uh, podcasts, uh, podcast providers. Almost all of them have us. And if they don't let me know and I'll uh, rectify that problem. We're a household name at this point. Pretty much. If people aren't in the know, well, then I guess I guess they're not in the know. Yeah, screw them. <laughs> uh, Manny, we've been having a, a, something going on on our social media recently that uh, people could have voted for uh, or or nominated things for. We've been taking uh, we've been taking in votes for our annual fan requested Halloween episode. Yeah. Uh, we we had a bunch of nominees put up for movies people would like to have us watch and listen to us blather on about. Then we had them vote on it. Um, as I, it's October twenty first, two thousand and twenty today, as we are recording. It'll probably be a little bit, a few days later in the future when this episode comes out. Uh, I understand the results are in. The results are in. The four to the, to the most, the most important election in two thousand twenty, as I understand it. To yes. my, to my knowledge, nothing else comes to mind that's going to be more important that people are voting for this I year. I can't even think of one thing that would not, be more. No, I can't. Not a single thing. Zero. Okay. All right. So the again for those uh, unsure, we're unsure. Uh, there there were four finalists for the uh, uh, annual fan requested Halloween episode, and those four were the Grudge, the Killing of a Sacred Deer, Nosferatu, and the People Under the Stairs. And in a showing of true democracy, and the fact that. Every vote counts. This year's winner won by a single vote. One, Just one vote? One vote. Oh, my God. Allowed, sounds, sounds rigged to me. Allowed this film to win. So if you're out there and thinking, wow, my vote never counts, I'm afraid it does. It does. It makes the difference. And this especially, especially in this, when uh, I, I trust there was more than one person who voted. I'd just like to clarify yes, that. It's yes, yes. Was... It wasn't just like one to zero to zero to zero, right? That would have been amazing. That would have been great. A little <laughs> upsetting. A, a little, little embarrassing. It would, have, it would have been a little sad, I won't lie. Yeah. <laughs> but definitely, yeah. uh, we, had, uh, we had a winner. Uh, it, okay. it, it, uh, and like I said, it won by one vote. And that is the 19... 19- 22 horror classic Nosferatu. I, I'm very excited for this. We, uh, I mean, spoilers for way down the road. We have 
plans to do some uh, some classic movies, but 1922's Nosferatu might be as far back as we ever go on this podcast, maybe. Pretty close, yeah. Yeah, because the one that we are going to be doing is what, like 1942, I want to say? 1942, And then yeah. there was another one that was name-dropped that's like 1940 exactly, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. The, the one you and I were talking about before that we may have uh that we that we thought we should have put in the christmas rotation but we didn't yeah 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 hmm. yeah I'm, I'm very excited uh i i was kind of secretly hoping that this one might kind of win to be honest with you uh just because uh I, I it's been really interesting for me to go back and watch old classic movies and uh the ones that are the least scary <laughs> we have found out are the ones that we enjoy the most <laughs> because <laughs> Because we're a couple of pussies, yeah. so the fact that we have an entire month devoted to horror every year uh, is is kind of unfortunate, <laughs> to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm very happy, very happy. Nosferatu, and thank you for everybody who voted. Thanks to everybody who nominated movies to be voted upon. Yes, uh, we we appreciate each and every one of you, even the ones who lost in embarrassing fashion. Yes, uh, and a shout out to uh, Pandora, who was the one that gave the original nomination for Nosferatu. So thank you, everyone. Again, it really does mean a lot to Sam and I that you guys just take the time to vote and let us know what you think. Uh, I love it, and it, it does really mean a lot, and I hope, uh, I hope you guys enjoy the Nosferatu episode. Sam and I are excited to watch this horror classic. We'll see. Now we got to figure out where the fuck to watch this movie. Uh, I, know where I'm, <laughs> I know where I'm watching it from, so it's all good yeah. for me. Uh, Sam, what you been watching? Uh, I've been uh, watching a few different things this week. Uh, the first, with it being October, our Halloween Horror Month, mm -hmm. I wanted to revisit a series that I watched, I think that came out two years ago. Uh, one that was a little scarier than I'm used to. Than I'm used to. Uh, it was only a, I think a 10 episode series. I'm about halfway through my rewatch. The Haunting of Hill House, I have, uh, I have gone back and rewatched. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, it's really good on second watch. I know that you did not check this out when it came out, in sure. spite of my recommendation. In spite of uh, because, because of its uh, reputation, I think, for being a little on the spooky side. Uh, it, it, it absolutely has held up in that regard, as, well as, as far as the scariness. I, it's been long enough that I've forgotten where all the scares are and what they are. Uh, but I... So I really wish that I remembered them because I it's scaring the shit out of me on the second watch. For those who don't know The Haunting of Hill House, it is about uh, one family. Uh, it sort of takes place in two different time periods. Uh, one time period is them living in this haunted house when most of most of them are kids. So there's a mom and dad and five kids in this family. Mm -hmm. And the second timeline is after all the children have grown up. Uh, and it's sort of alluded to multiple times it, 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 the very nonlinear way of telling the story kind of keeps it a secret what happened exactly in this haunted house until closer to the end. But uh, the adult storyline mostly focuses on them dealing, even at, at their further advanced age, dealing with the grief and the consequences and the ramifications of what exactly happened to them. And at its core, I think Haunting of Hill House is a show that's about trauma and it's about grief and it's about loss um, it's a really mature, really thoughtful show, um, and it examines sort of the effect that uh, this childhood trauma had on 
a lot of these kids as they've got older. And of course, the scenes that take place uh, in this haunted house uh, still terrify me to no end. Uh, Manny, I don't suppose you've given this one uh, a second thought as as far as uh, re- rewatching it or not even rewatching it, giving giving it a go. Won't happen. Yeah, that's uh, that's to be expected. If you're a fan of uh, of the horror genre, as you hopefully are, if you're listening to all of our Halloween Horror Month episodes, uh, and if you want something new to watch on Netflix, I highly recommend Haunting of Hill House. It's a very competently made show from a filmmaking perspective, or I guess from a do you call it TV making when it's uh, when it's TV or streaming? I, I don't know exactly what to call it, but well, it's not. From a, it's, film, not a, it's not a film because it's, it's not a film, but. I'm just saying the craft of it is uh, is is very very good, uh, especially for a TV show, especially for a Netflix TV show. I guess I don't know why I'm saying that. I like Netflix TV, um, but the the craft of it is very good. The acting is very good. The writing is very good, um, and it's scary as shit. Um, I also wanted to revisit one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, I so for those who don't know, I did turn super fucking old this weekend, Jesus this past Christ. weekend. I did. Uh, I did have my birthday, uh, and I wanted to just watch something that I that I really really enjoy. I just wanted to watch one of my favorite movies, and uh, the one that I landed on was Superbad. So I uh, I did watch Superbad, and I've talked about this on the show before, but it is one of my all time favorite comedies. Uh, it I I love the chemistry between Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill. Uh, if you're one of the three people who hasn't seen Superbad. It's about two guys trying to get laid at a high school party before they go off to different colleges. But it's really about so much more than that. Uh, it's about the the friendship between them, the uh, codependence that they've developed through their years of friendship, and, uh, and the bittersweet goodbye that they know that they're going to have to say to each other as they go off to different colleges but are kind of too afraid to admit to themselves just yet. And it's them coming to terms with exactly how much they have meant uh, to each other. On top of all that, it's just batshit crazy and super funny. Tons of laughs in it. Great soundtrack. Um, there's a whole B plot with uh, with Christopher Mintz Plass in his uh, film debut and Seth Rogen and Bill Hader as uh, two cops taking an underage kid around without knowing he's underage, getting into all sorts of shit. It's a fucking hilarious movie. Man, you, you've seen Superbad, I know, right? Of course. Yes. Yeah. Love and it. You're, you're you're a fan. I take it. Big fan, big yeah. big fan. Yeah. As a matter of as a matter of fact, it's come up in conversation between us a couple of times in reference to another movie, uh, another one we really liked from 2019. That was Booksmart. Yes. Uh, because really, my my one complaint about Booksmart is that it hit basically all of the same beats as Superbad. Like it, when they were pitching it, you just know they're in the pitch room. Like, what about Superbad but with girls? And don't get me wrong, I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. Booksmart is fucking hilarious. If you haven't seen Booksmart from last year, 2019, go watch it. It's amazing. Oh, please um, do. Manny and I both put that on our top tens last year. Uh, yeah. Fantastic comedy. I, think, I um, think it was my number three. Yeah, I think it it came somewhere in the middle for me, like four through six, somewhere somewhere in that range. So, yeah, it, and that, that was a strong year last year, 2019. Yeah, it's not saying something. Um but yeah, super bad. One of my all-time favorites. Had to, had to give it a watch. Um, the last one that I wanted to talk about, Manny. I'm not sure if you've seen it. It, it. it is a 2020 release. What? You watched a 2020 film? I did. I've barely watched any movies, any new releases this year. I've watched maybe four or five after this one. Man, our sam- really not. Good. Our samples are going to be slim pickings for you next year. Hey, uh, don't don't you worry. I'll uh, I'll <laughs> I'll do what I always do and finish right at the buzzer and get get all of them done like December January. Um, I watched a movie called Honey Boy. Ooh, uh, which that's a 2020 is, film. 
I thought it was. Uh, am I misinformed about that? I thought it was 2020. Hmm. Can you get confirmation from me on that? I can. Go ahead. Uh, it is written by Shia LaBeouf. I can't remember who the director is, but um, for those who don't know this movie, it's essentially a semi-autobiographical look at Shia LaBeouf's life as a child actor. Um, so the, the the main character in the movie is not named Shia. He's named Otis. So it's there's sort of a little bit of distance there. But Shia LaBeouf actually, I guess you would call him the star of the movie. He plays Otis's father, who is... Uh, taking Otis from audition to audition. Man, you're shaking your head. 2019. 2019. Fuck, I thought I watched another 2020 movie. Damn it, I was so proud of myself. <laughs> That's what you get uh, for not checking the date, I guess. But uh, Shia LaBeouf plays essentially his own father, which is kind of a mind-bending concept. And I think the point uh, he was trying to make when he wrote this movie was just to communicate to the world just how much he has been through and uh, just how much this career path has affected him. So much like I was just saying with The Haunting of Hill House, there actually is two parallel stories going on in two different time periods. There's Otis as a child being dragged from audition to audition, uh, and be, or not even audition to audition. Uh, it's him being dragged uh, from show to show, from set to set, uh, living in what appears to be a motel uh, with his father and the essentially showing the life of a child actor with an abusive father. And then the other storyline is Otis uh, as an adult in rehab, I believe, um, trying to come to terms with a lot of his childhood trauma. So as you can imagine, this is a really, really, really sad movie. This movie made me very, very sad. Oh, <laughs> it, the only thing I could come away from this movie thinking was poor Shia LaBeouf. He is, he clearly thinks that, and I have no reason to doubt him, he clearly thinks he has been through hell to get where he is today. He never asked to be an actor. He never he, he never asked for this career. It was sort of forced upon him, and his dad just would not let him rest and would make him uh, do all sorts of terrible things and would say all sorts of terrible things to him. It's just a, it's a very sad movie. Um... That was my main takeaway from it. I actually did enjoy it. I like sad movies. I like I like movies that are just a little bit on the depressing side for some reason. But uh, Honey Boy, this doesn't sound like a glowing review now that I'm saying it out loud. But it's a really <laughs> it's a really good movie. Shia LaBeouf's performance as his own father are, uh, is really good. I should say that the child who plays Otis is oh I can't even remember the kid's name, but he's in Wonder. Noah uh, Jupe. Sorry. Noah Jupe. Noah Jupe, that's the the child who, the child actor in this one, and uh, what's uh, our the guy who plays adult Otis is Lucas, our boy from Ma Lucas Sorry? Lucas Hedges. Yeah, Lucas Hedges, our boy from Manchester by the Sea, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, a bunch of other stuff. He's he's been killing it recently. But the performances are all great. The writing is really good. Um, Shia has a number of great lines as his father. You can tell he's one of these guys who's just always got to be talking, always going to be telling a joke, always got to be entertaining. He's a former rodeo clown. Uh, so he's he's a really, really interesting character, and you can see that um, Shia LaBeouf really put a lot of work into this character, both from writing him and constructing him and, I guess, recreating this character, because as far as I know, this is supposed to be a pretty accurate recreation of what his what his dad was like. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Honey Boy. If, if you're not the kind of person who likes a movie that's a little bit on the sad side, uh, maybe skip this one. 
Uh, it's, but it's only like an hour and a half. Uh, you can watch it in a night. I can't remember what streaming service I watched it on. I think it was just Netflix. Uh, but yeah, it's worth a go. I think Honey Boy is on Prime for sure. Prime for sure. Yeah, I, I honestly can't remember. Hmm. It's on somewhere. You'll find it if you want to find it. I don't care. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh so that's all i've been watching this week manny not a whole lot that i've been up to you you uh you've been up to the usual stuff though i take it i i i knocked out technically five films but i'm only going to talk about four Uh, well i guess technically six but one we're reviewing tonight and another we're reviewing again tonight and banking for later (laughs) spoilery i know right but let's talk about the ones i can't talk about all right so the first one was uh a 2020 film, Sam. <laughs> Is it actually a 2020 film, or do you want me to double check that it's not 2019? Well, it's it's it was released in uh it was released theatrically. Sorry, not theatrically. It was released on premium VOD this year. It was supposed to be released theatrically, but it did hit the festival circuit last year, but. The way that the window works is this is the year, like if, if we're talking about what year was actually released, it, w- it would be a 2020 film because this is the year it would be eligible for any awards if it's up for any, which I doubt. But Okay. Um, it's called First Cow. Oh, yeah. I, I've heard about this, I think. Yeah, I knew nothing about this movie except uh, some of the other podcasts uh, that I listened to raved about it. And so... It was, I think, two weeks ago or maybe two or three weeks ago. Uh, it was a rental on iTunes for 99 cents. And I was like, well, fuck. I, I can't pass that up. I'm like, I've heard good things about this movie. It's sitting at an 89 Metascore on, uh, on Metacritic. And so I took a look at it. And it's set during kind of like the frontier times. Uh, it's, it's in Oregon. It's about this uh, cook who's traveling west uh, and becomes friends with this uh, Chinese immigrant. And uh, nothing much happens except that they... Uh, Is that a spoiler? No, I don't think it's a spoiler. They steal milk from the only cow in the area to make these delicious biscuits bread thing. And they make a lot of money off of it and some other things happen that would end up being spoilery. Um, uh, I, I, this is one of those movies that goes over my head, Sam. It's one of those movies that while it was good and fine, an 89 boggles my mind. Mm. I was not at any point riveted by this story at no point was i like oh my god i'm watching some of the best performance of the year i can't wait to see this film at the oscars i was just sitting there watching i'm like this is okay this is fine uh yeah i was uh i won't lie i was i was i was let down by the i guess you could say hype for this film it was uh it was an average movie for me. You said this was uh, one of those ones you felt was just like overly artsy and just kind of uh, maybe maybe a little too self-important, I guess. No. You said I, I know you you said the word uh, art film in our group chat. Yes, this is it. This is an art film. This is yeah. one of the like a, it's a small budget 
passion project. It's based off a novel of some type. Uh, the novel is called Half Life. Um, I couldn't imagine that this is a very exciting read. It, it, this is. It, I just couldn't believe. I, hold on. I, Apparently, not- the writer of the novel, uh, The Half Life was also the screenwriter for this, so he adapted his own work into a screenplay. Okay. There's no there's no budget listed for this. Um but whatever the budget was, uh it it's definitely low. It's you can definitely tell it's not oh that that was gonna sound bad. It's 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 a well crafted movie and the performances are just fine. Like they're there there's no bad performances. But there's no, there was nothing that I was riveted. It was just a, an average movie that I will never watch again. It was a, it was a letdown, especially, especially with all the praise it was given by podcasters that I really true and respect, and an eighty nine Metascore, and I, ugh, yeah. I will, I will say with movies that are a little bit sort of out there, especially the artsy ones, uh, as I take it, this one probably is. Yeah. Uh, as one. Film critics tend to watch so many damn movies and and tend to see a lot of the same stuff. We see, I mean, just formula after formula being used time and time again, the same movies being made with a cookie cutter. So I think when a movie that's a little bit more artsy and a little bit more out there comes out, critics tend to really gravitate towards that, whether it's good or not. Uh, I think I, I think seeing something fresh that you haven't seen before almost kind of feels like uh, it almost feels like a pro in and of itself for a movie critic. If you're watching that many movies, I'm, you know what I'm saying? I a hundred percent agree with you. And yes. this, so this... you'll even, even though something that's been a little bit recycled, which may be higher quality, uh, even though that may have been released, I think as a critic, you're going to gravitate more towards the new fresh thing, which may not even be as good objectively, if that makes any sort of sense. It does, but that doesn't quite apply. The, the not as good doesn't quite apply to this movie because this, for me, I, I feel it was this was more about me than the film itself. Okay, I would fully understand why someone would love this movie because it's not like anything else that's out there right now. These are the kind of movies that I long for because it's it's a it's a smaller film. I I can't see what the budget was, but I can't imagine it being that much. But at no point does this film look cheap at all. The The film is very well made, and the performances are, again, they're just fine. At no point was I ever pulled out of the movie by a bad performance. But I, I, was, I was pretty bored. Yeah, I'm trying to frantically go around and find any sort of budget number that I can. And I, I really, I, they must not have released anything yet i'm not sure i can find the domestic box office is a hundred hilarious one hundred thousand dollars but that's because it was it was released on vod and probably yeah. in some small art house theaters in, in across the country so it, it couldn't have made that much so i don't know it's if you're looking for if, honestly if you're looking for something different this is uh what was that movie that i hated uh i'm thinking of ending things that's a movie. Oh, yeah. That's a movie that went that was over my head. I I couldn't grasp the concept. I couldn't grasp what people would even want to watch this for. That was that was beyond me. This movie isn't like that. This movie doesn't. It's not trying to. It's not. It's not an art. It's not an artsy fartsy film in that it experiments with the medium and stuff like that. It's just telling a very simple story with a, 
with some decent performances, I, it just didn't it just didn't grasp me. But if somebody's uh, looking for something different, like something completely different than what's out there, give First Cow a try. Uh, maybe take a look at what everyone else sees and that I just that just didn't resonate with me. Especially, yeah, that's okay. I, I think I may still check this movie out. It's uh, it, it, it. I'm intrigued. Both. Uh, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen the poster for First Cow, I highly recommend looking that up because it is the poster alone makes me want to go see this movie. <laughs> is it? It is just ludicrous. It's over dramatic. Let's let's put it that way. Well, is it the? I may, I may be overhyping this. Is it the poster that's on IMDb? Yeah, just the one of him standing on the dock. I, I don't know why I find that so funny, but it just, <laughs> it's so ludicrous. It looks so self-important and so serious, but it's also just so silly. It's just a cow standing on a dock. Yeah. I don't know. I it's I find it funny. It's uh yeah, it's this movie's is worth checking out if you get the chance. That that's what I'd say. I I'm not going to recommend it, but I'm not going to also not recommend it. Does that make cool. sense? Yep, totally. Awesome. And then I decided to check out a couple comedies I hadn't seen in a while that I loved. And is the rare time that I loved a comedy that pretty much the rest of the world loved. Yeah. And that's the Judd Apatow films, The 40-Year-Old Virgin and Knocked Up. These movies are still funny. These movies are still very well made. Personally, I think The 40-Year-Old Virgin is way better than Knocked Up. I agree. Um, the one thing about Knocked Up that was kind of astounding is do you remember the character jay the the black character in the movie i'm not sure that i do but i'll look him up he's one of the main characters in 40 year old virgin he's the oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I know who you're talking about do you remember him very much in the movie like do you remember that performance because he was as jay in 40 year old virgin yes not particularly. There's a couple of scenes or moments I remember, but okay, Sam. When you re when you watch this again, besides Steve Carell's, obviously this was his breakout performance, and then the Office the Office comes out the the start of the Office comes out the same year as this. So mm -hmm. talk about the basically erupting onto the pop culture scene, which doesn't usually happen at like age forty. Yeah. But I think he I think he was like forty when he started in this movie, right? Yeah, I think so, around that age. But Romany Malco as Jay has some of the best lines and best moments in that whole movie outside of Steve Carell. And he does nothing after this movie. He doesn't turn it into anything. I'd heard that he became highly religious. Hmm. Um but he, I, I just couldn't believe it. Like, he's so fantastic in this movie. And it looks like he didn't really, like, he worked. But, like, if, if, if I think back to when this movie came out, leaving this movie, I would have thought Steve Carell and Romany Malco are going to be stars. 
I had a great time watching this. There is a line from uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin that I quote all the time. And it's from uh, it's uh, it's from Leslie Mann. It's uh, I, th- I well I shouldn't say quote all the time. I think it's uh, let's get some French toast. <laughs> You've told me that you quote that, and it seems so obscure. <laughs> it's super. It's a super obscure quote, and I say it all the time. Hmm. And it's it's part of like it's part of her delivery, and I always misquote the delivery because she really gets rough with the word French, like I did. But not the toast. But I always do the rough toast. I always go, let's get some French toast. But she always goes, she goes, let's get some French toast. I just love her delivery of that line. It makes me laugh. Um, but there's a lot in this movie that makes me laugh. Elizabeth Banks is really funny. So fucking funny. Seth Rogen is really good in it. Uh, Paul Rudd is fantastic. Uh, his name, I think it's it looks uh, Jerry Bednob. He plays Mooj, the old uh, East Indian guy. Yeah. Oh, God. He's hilarious. Um, it's just a really fun movie that I thoroughly uh, enjoyed. Yeah. I. This is just an endlessly quotable movie. I got this one uh, in a three-pack of DVDs in a bargain bin somewhere uh, with Knocked Up, actually. And I think Forgetting Sarah Marshall was the, was the third movie in there. Well, that's so. a nice triple feature. Yeah, that's a great triple feature. I got it for like like five bucks on DVD, I'm pretty sure. Would have been better if it was Blu-ray, but you know, beggars can't be choosers. So true. When you're that poor. When you're going through the bargain bin. Uh, in 40-Year-Old Virgin, the one that I probably <laughs> quote the most is, you know how when you grab a woman's breast, it feels it's like a bag of sand. Fantastic. <laughs> that, that is the one that gets quoted the most. <laughs> I think they're, they're sitting around playing poker in that scene, right? Yep, they sure are. Yeah, they're just sitting around playing poker. They're just talking about chicks. Yep. And, and he has, they don't know he's a virgin yet. And he just says, you know, when you grab a woman's breast, it feels like a bag of sand. <laughs> oh, man. I fucking die laughing during that scene. Uh, and uh, Paul Rudd's also in this movie, actually. Uh, early performance from him. Yep. Uh, and the even though I, I'm sure some people would argue it hasn't aged well, I would argue one of the best scenes in this movie is the you want to know how I know you're gay scene. Yes. Completely yeah. improvised. Yeah. And you, you can definitely tell. Don't they have, like, outtakes in the uh, in the credits? Am I remembering that right? It's been it's been a bit since I've seen Forty Year Old Virgin. I don't know. You can definitely see the outtakes and the other things that they say in that scene online, like on YouTube and stuff. I don't know if it's in the credits or not. It definitely could be. Yeah, maybe I just watched it on the uh, on the DVD features when I when I broke that out. But yeah, and uh, just everyone in this movie has so many quotable lines. Uh, at one point, doesn't he tell? Uh, Elizabeth thinks that he wants to put his bike in her trunk and she thinks that he means fuck her in the ass. Yes. <laughs> God, so many good moments in 40 year old virgin. I, I, I really have to rewatch this movie. It's been probably a few years, probably like four or five. Yeah, it was, uh, it was good. I, I, I had a great time. Uh, so then I decided to follow it up with knocked up. And while I like knocked up, when, I, th- I feel like I've started to become a little bit more, I don't know, maybe a little bit more sensitive towards, like, main character, especially male main characters. Like, Seth in this movie as Ben Stone, he's a piece of shit. 
like a complete piece of shit. Like he's a fucking loser and has next to zero redeeming qualities. And yet I'm supposed to believe that Catherine Heigl, who I hear in real life is a complete fucking bitch. um, I do. I've heard heard nothing but horrible things about Catherine Heigl in real life. Well, that that that's good because it makes me feel not so bad about hating all of her movies. Yes, except for, <laughs> basically except, except for, for this. Except for this one. Except for this one. Hold on, I want. Let's fucking take a look here. All right, uh, let's see. I saw the. I, get this. I saw the movie The Ugly Truth with Katherine Heigl and Gerard Butler in theaters. Oh, and, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that one was fucking atrocious. That was 2009. I don't know why 12 year old me felt need to go to a movie theater for that it was almost certainly for a girl almost certainly that might be top 10 worst movies i've ever seen yeah that's not fucking good let's go to the ugly truth uh, yeah 28 metascore i won't lie i it's been a while since i've seen 27 dresses and i remember not minding it that's about as high praise you'll get from a Catherine Hagel movie that is not knocked up mm-hmm and I will also say this, the show that launched her career, which is Grey's Anatomy, she's pretty good up until a certain point in the show. Have you seen all of it? All of Grey's Anatomy? Yeah. Well, I mean, I know there's a hundred bazillion episodes, but have you seen a large amount of Grey's Anatomy? I don't know where Grey's Anatomy is now, but... Uh, I'm going to assume most people, holy Jesus Christ, there's 17 seasons? Oh, my God. Fuck me. Okay, hold yeah, on. Yeah, season season 17 premieres uh, middle of November. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, hold on. I can give you a rough estimation. I'm going to say... This is what we do. We just go tangent on tangent on tangent. It looks like I might have done... Okay, I probably quit around season 10. Just doing a quick look. Uh huh. I've seen a few episodes of Grey's Anatomy, and it does not strike me as a show that I would be interested in, nor a show that I am the target demo of. Okay. Should I go on a little Grey's Anatomy side tangent Let's here? Let's do it, man. Let's talk some Grey's Anatomy. All right. Okay. Fuck. Okay. Grey's Anatomy is this. I, I, I. I don't want to say I was forced to watch. Because then it sounds like it was against my will. But it was part of a a girl I was dating at the time. It was her favorite show. And so I watched it with her because she loved it so much. Because she would watch a lot of the things that I wanted to watch. Such as movies and other TV shows. So That's the reason I've seen the few episodes that I have as well. But continue. Yes. So in a relationship, it's about compromise. So I was more than happy to watch something that she wanted to. Because she really watched... like. I'd probably say 90% of the stuff we watched is stuff I chose. So That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. So I shouldn't, like, I never complained. And so I started watching it. And I'll be honest, I'd say about the first five seasons of Grey's Anatomy are actually really good. Now, they tried their damnedest to make you cry every episode. And often, they would succeed with me. But... This is what I want to say, and this is, might get me in trouble with some listeners. But the main character, Meredith Grey, is a fucking horrible person, 
and not somebody that I could relate to. Now, granted, I am a male. I am a straight male. So oh, are you are you saying all women are terrible people? Is that I, what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay, good. I was just clarifying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and anybody that's not white. So, <laughs> and yeah, for, the, for those of you that are listening, I am also not white. <laughs> so I, that means I'm allowed to say that apparently. Yeah, exactly. No, you're allowed to be terrible when you're not uh, the the race of majority. I think that's the rule. Yes. Uh, Meredith Grey is a horrible character. I won't get into it in detail, but if anybody, if any of our listeners out there want to disagree with me, I'm more than happy to discuss it with you. Now, granted, I haven't watched the show, and since it's in season 17, I quit about season 10. That's about seven to eight years I haven't watched the show, so my recollection of the exact moments I can give you on why I think she's a horrible character might be a little bit might be a little fuzzy so my argument won't be quite as strong as it was when i was watching it that being said the supporting cast around her is phenomenal some really great characters some really great chemistry but the main character meredith gray horrible fucking person almost to the point where i hated her but uh, the supporting cast around her with uh especially um God damn it. I can't remember. Oh, God. It's going to bug me, so I'm definitely going to have to look it up. Her... Hold on. I can, I can get it for you if you want. Who is it? It's her, it's her best friend. I can't even think of... Um... Is it Chandra Wilson? Uh... No, Chandra Wilson. Oh, that's who plays Miranda Bailey. Uh, Sandra O oh as Christina Yang. Thank you, Christina yeah. Yang. What, that, that would probably be hands down my favorite character uh, in the show absolutely fantastic character and uh yeah there was there was a lot to like in Grey's Anatomy I was surprised at how much I loved it uh I got really I got really into it for quite a few seasons uh, and then it took some really big turns that I highly disagreed with um yeah but uh that's that's Catherine Heigl uh, knocked up uh, yeah <laughs> yeah the the knocked up fans in the audience are going crazy right now yeah. for all the Grey's Anatomy talk they're uh, loving it Back, Love every minute of it. Yeah, with with knocked up, I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't think it's as good as the forty year old virgin. I found Seth Rogen as Ben to be hard to root for, and there was just so many stupid and really shitty things he does, and really fucking annoying. I was like, I would not even want this guy as a friend of mine. But whatever. Uh, it seems to be par for the course for a lot of Judd Apatow movies. Uh, but I still, there were still some laughs to be had. Um, uh, yeah, <clears throat> I watched Knocked Up. Sam, what do you- I, I, I've seen, I've seen Knocked Up, uh, not quite as often as 40 Year Old Virgin. It's, uh, in my opinion, not as good. Knocked Up does kind of suffer from Judd Apatow syndrome in that the first half of it is really funny and the back half is really, really sad. I, I feel like that's every Judd Apatow movie ever made. Um, but I liked Knocked Up. I remember liking it at the time. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if I really have anything else to say about that. I, I don't recall being put off by Ben being a piece of shit. But it's entirely possible that that is the case. Man, you're looking like you've just remembered something. It's not that I just remembered something. It's why I realized I don't like him as much in this movie. I haven't watched this movie since I became a father. 
Oh, yeah. And he's a shitty person who doesn't know how to be a dad. And I'm not saying I'm a great dad. I just try the best I can. But his lack of interest and lack of taking that whole thing seriously was hard to watch. That's what it was. Yeah, I do, uh, I guess, no, this isn't even really a spoiler. I do remember one of the big character moments towards the end of the movie is that he read a baby book. Yeah. Like, that's how low the bar is for this guy. He he read one of the baby books that his baby mama has told him to read for nine months now, and he tells her this as she's giving birth. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I remember just thinking, like, really, that's... That's the bar for this guy. That's the bar for men. We have it so easy sometimes. You know? We 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 sadly do. Definitely, especially when it comes to childbirth. I shouldn't say sadly. I'm like sad for the ladies. <laughs> oh, I wish I had to rip my body apart to make a person. Says Manny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, such a shame. Yeah. Yeah. So, Knocked up. Fine movie. Knocked up. So that's gonna get to the last movie that I watched this week, and that was one I've been waiting for anxiously. And it arrived on Netflix on Friday, and that's the new Aaron Sorkin film, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Whew, Sam, this movie is fucking good. God damn it. You know what? I I fully – I saw you and I think Jordan posting about it in our group chat. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not realize this was the new Sorkin movie. I would have absolutely rocketed it up my list if uh, if I knew it was a new Sorkin. So he writes and directs, I take it? Yes, fuck and it's really good yes fuck now i I, i'm this is my caveat with this this movie right now is one of the best i've seen this year but you haven't seen that many this year i think in a normal year when a lot of movies have been released i don't think i would hold it in as high regard i also haven't watched a lot of for 2020 films, I haven't watched really almost anything that has completely wowed me. So this really stood out. But I think in a normal year, I think I would still like this. It, it's it's Sorkin-y delicious. Like it is, the dialogue is phenomenal. And I'll make my prediction right now that I'm pretty sure that Sasha Baron Cohen is going to get an Oscar nomination. Really? Yes. That's great. Yes. I bet you this will get a screenplay nomination. And with 10 films, could make a best picture. But there's no way that Sorkin gets a directing nod. It's No way. No, 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 no. Not at all. Not a chance. There's not a lot of for him to direct here, except for obviously the performances he pulls out. But when you can write that well... How much performance? <laughs> how much performance do you really need to pull out of somebody if you get good actors? There's not a lot of really great camera movements. There's not a lot of great direction. It's a lot of. It's literally what you want to do with a Sorkin script. You have these actors who have this incredible dialogue. Just point your camera at them and let them do their craft. And so there's no real great dramatic flourishes here, but the performances throughout delivering this just oh heart melting if you love cinema dialogue it, it's it's just sorkin doing what sorkin does and he's got this incredible ensemble cast 
and also there's uh because I don't well I ended up watching the trailer for this kind of by accident. I think it came up when I was on Netflix and it was like 15 seconds in. I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll just watch it. Sam, the trailer for this is really good. It got me super pumped to watch it. Uh, I know that you and I tend to avoid trailers because in recent years they have become super spoilery. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've become really, really bad. Uh, would you recommend checking out this trailer before the movie? Like, no. am I going to remain spoiler free? For the, mm, avoid it. Or should I just say fuck it and watch it after? Watch it after. Watch it after, and you'll be like, oh fuck, that is a good trailer. I don't. I, when it comes to putting the name Aaron Sorkin on a movie, I don't need the trailer. I'm there. I'm I, there. I, 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 wow, I'm really, I'm, I'm so sad that you didn't know this was Sorkin. I, I, I honestly thought you did. I must have heard it at some point. Uh, my memory with these things is, uh, not really so good. That's so. fine. That's fine. And uh, I mean, we. We've had so much going on with like shit getting moved around, and I was all excited for Mank and for Dune and for uh, for all this other stuff. But uh, yeah, this one was not on my radar, even a little bit actually. Yeah, well, this was supposed to be released in theaters. It was made by Paramount, uh, and then with the whole pandemic, it obviously couldn't be, so they sold it to Netflix. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they sold it for around seventy five million. Whew, yeah. Damn. So, so I need to go watch it to make it worth Netflix's money. Yeah. Um, if anybody out there hasn't seen this, uh, I would highly recommend it. It is, uh, it's based on the true story of the Chicago seven, uh, these, uh, well, I'll just read the plot. The story of seven people on trial stemming from various charges surrounding the uprising at the 1968 democratic national convention in Chicago, Illinois. It's a very famous trial and it's. I know this word's getting thrown out a lot with a lot of things, but this is a very timely movie. And mm-hmm. it is about standing up to your government and what you're willing to do to be your, have your voice heard and the way that the government can suppress people and suppress your voice and try and hold you down. This is a incredibly incredibly entertaining movie that is definitely worth everybody's time. It's it's just over two hours long. It doesn't feel that long. I I implore anybody out there that hasn't watched this to definitely watch the trial of the Chicago Seven. It's 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 I think it's a movie everybody is going to really like. At the time of this episode's release we'll probably be about one week away from America being plunged into a civil war. So nice. <laughs> got, got that to look forward to. I uh, can't wait. Can't wait. So yeah, Sam, I, I, I'm super excited for you to watch this so we can dive into it uh, deeply. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sam, I, I think you'll I think you'll love this movie. Okay. All awesome. Right. So that is what we've been watching this week. Manny, it's time to talk about The Floor is Lava, the movie, a.k.a. <laughs> Tremors. All right. Tremors. This was released on January 19th, 1990, directed by Ron Underwood, written by S.S. Wilson and Brent Maddock, uh, starring Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward, and Finn Carter. Has a Metascore of 65. Uh, no Oscar wins because there was no Oscar nominations. It had a Wait, budget. No, no, no Oscar nominations for this one? I oh, know. I was astounded. And, yeah, I just wanted to clarify. And hurt. 
Um, <laughs> it had a budget of $11 million. It grossed 16 uh, in the theaters, but more than made up for that in home video. The... Uh, the plot, uh, natives of a small isolated town defend themselves against strange underground creatures, which are killing them one by one. Sam, have you seen Tremors? Uh, I have actually seen, believe it or not, a few of the Tremors movies, uh, but not for some time. I used to watch them with my friend Montana. Hi, Montana. If you're listening, I don't think she does. Um, I was probably like 10 or 11 when I saw Tremors for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I remember really liking it. And I remember liking all these movies. They were silly. Uh, they, they, were, they are horror movies, but they're definitely not scary. And I don't, I, I don't think anybody would take that as an insult to these no. movies. They're, just, they're, they're not that kind of movie. They're, no. they're supposed to be a little bit campy, a little bit silly, a little bit fun. Uh, so I remembered liking it, and I was excited to revisit. Uh, on rewatch... My my general consensus is, meh, it's, it's okay. It's, it's not, nothing special. It's, uh, it's a little bit cheesy, a little bit campy. Um, a 65 Metascore is probably a little high, in, in my honest opinion. Uh, <laughs> uh, the dialogue is bad at times. Uh, there's... Uh, I was watching this with Jordan and by the end we were playing a drinking game where we were drinking for every uh, bastard or son of a bitch that was uttered. Uh, There was also a mother humper in there uh, for which we decided to finish our drinks. So that was nice. Um, But yeah, it Tremors is a, is a fine film. We had some decent fun with it. I had some decent fun with it. Um, Yeah. It kind of turns into the floor is lava, the movie towards the end, but uh, the dialogue struck me as a, as a particular weak point. But in a movie like this, you kind of need those giggles, you need those chuckles. Um, the comedic chemistry between uh, Kevin Bacon and is it uh, is it Fred Ward? Yep. Who is the, yep. Yeah, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward uh, is okay. It's, it's fine. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I have no real strong opinions about this movie. To be honest with you, Manny, it's just kind of it's just kind of there. It's tremors. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, if somebody right after we finished this episode was like. Hey, Sam, you want to watch Tremors? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> Wouldn't be elated about it, but I would watch it. <laughs> How's that for a review? That's a perfect review. Yeah. <laughs> that is the exact review. I'm not even, it's, it's almost like you were sitting next to me when I was watching it because uh, one of my best friends, Kyle, was watching mm-hmm. it with me and basically said everything that you just said. With the exception, the, I, I, I can't, really disagree with much of what you said but the only thing that personally for me that i would strongly disagree with is i feel the chemistry between bacon and ward is spectacular Hmm. i think those two characters play really well off one another and i think their on-screen chemistry is fantastic i I, they they gave me some giggles for sure they were they were the primary source of giggles in this movie i just i don't think i was ever like hunched over in my seat laughing my ass off or anything like that you know what i mean I I do, but this yeah. this movie made me laugh a lot more than other films that are comedies have. That's fine. Yeah, this is. Uh, but again, when this movie came out, I was 15 years old, and so this is another movie that was part of my childhood. So I grew up with this movie. This is the kind of horror movies that I like. Horror movies that are funny and fun and not gory, even though there is some gore in here, but it's 
Yeah, there's some there's some strawberry jam put on some construction hats, if I recall. Yep, pretty much. Uh, I I I love this movie. Now, <laughs> this was number twenty in my all time favorite movie list. That being said, with the uh, other, this was num- this was on your top twenty. I didn't even remember that honestly. I yeah. knew it was your favorite horror movie. Yeah, just like your favorite horror movie made your list. Yeah, it did. <laughs> You know, not gonna not gonna say what I'm gonna say. You, you go on. You always finish your thought. My favorite horror movie's good. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to. You egged me on. Well, I I want I, 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 I want you to have a safe space here, Sam, to share okay. your feelings. This is all that I ever this I needed this as my safe space, you know that. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, no judgment here. There's no judgment here. Yeah. Put a put a trigger warning next to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah, this, I'll be honest, upon rewatching it, the other movie that we're going to be discussing tonight was the last cut on my 20. So this. That is some <laughs> kind of irony right there. So, I know. I, and upon rewatch, I would flip them. I don't know if I really. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't know if I really want to say this because we've hinted at it so much. Suffice it to say, Manny and I are a. <laughs> We're alluding to like an all-time classic, like one that is considered to be one of the greats of the greats when it comes to movies. Yes, and he had tremors. There's one pip above it. Just one, one slot. One pip out of pure. Again, those are these are out of enjoyment. Yes, exactly. These are our top twenty favorite movies. Yes. So, just because some hoity-toity critic in a leather armchair says that, you know. Citizen Kane and Casablanca and The Godfather, just because he says they're better than The Tremors, doesn't 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 mean that doesn't mean that is true. That's true. A lot of people's favorite film can be Transformers. Yeah, there is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Now we, lo- we I love w- some Michael Bay around here. Sometimes yeah. in a particular environment. Sometimes, I'll f- I can now fully admit that Tremors made number twenty by a recency bias. Because I had yeah. watched it recently when I made that list. This movie makes me happy. Watching it, I watched it Monday night with uh, one of my best friends, Kyle. And he had never seen it. I was excited to show it to him. And he, was, he gave the exact same reaction you did. I think he was ki- – I, I shouldn't say think. I know he was let down because mm-hmm. most of the times when – as I've stated in previous episodes, if you come over to my house to watch a movie – you have to watch something you haven't seen. Unless it's predetermined, like, say, like, as an example, say Endgame comes out on Blu-ray and we're going to watch it for the first time on home video then if you yeah. see it in theater. But most of the time, if you're going to come over to my house for a movie, I'm going to make you watch something you haven't seen. So most of the time, when I make Kyle watch something he hasn't seen, it's usually something pretty fucking good. <laughs> and I will say, I mean... Long-time listeners of the show will know we take movie recommendations very seriously around uh, these parts. Yes, this, it is a sacred honor to be able to recommend a movie to somebody, and you cannot let them down. And I have gotten many a recommendation from Manny, and ninety-nine percent of them are bang-on hits. Yes, that's right. A lot of the time, and I'll be on, like, I I can't think of one that wasn't that I didn't give you a pre-warning saying I'm not. Sh- I'm like this is kind of a guilty pleasure. 
Yeah, some of the one the, the ones that are misses that you recommend are exactly that. You're like, yeah, this is one that I kind of like. You you might find something to enjoy in it. I mean, we just talked about Lost Boys like two episodes ago, mm-hmm. and you were never like, Sam, you're gonna fucking love this movie. Like, you're you're gonna be in love with this movie. And I, I was kind of like lukewarm on it. I I I said it wasn't for me. I think a couple of times yep. during that. Yeah. And uh, I feel the, feel the same way about Tremors. I I've seen this movie before, and I I did like it when I watched it. I was also like twelve. Uh, but it's it's a perfectly silly uh, little horror movie that I, I cannot blame you even one bit for liking, especially if you grew up watching it on repeat. It's just as an adult, it it kind of falls short. I think a lot of that has to do. I know that we both like horror movies that are. Well, let's just say it, we're not that big of horror movie fans. Not, not at all. We're, we're not horror guys. We're we're little pussies. Basically, we we. I, I do not like the feeling of being scared, generally. I'm with you as well. I hate that yeah. feeling, actually. So all of our favorite horror movies are, like, horror comedies or horror movies that are a little less scary. The only exception I would put in that, really, is I love the movie Hereditary because we watched it last year uh, for our uh, fan request episode. Um, but, yeah, these sorts of silly horror movies uh, definitely have a spot and definitely have a place. Uh, I, I don't mind a little bit of campiness, uh, but Tremors just was it was okay. It's fine. I, 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 as I was rewatching it Monday, I was like, Ooh, I think, I think Sam's going to be middling at best on this, but I don't care because I fucking loved it. (laughs) This is one of my favorite movies. And even though, uh, it, it, it made my top 20, it was my number 20. Uh, I have no problems having it be there because I, I know that watching this movie brings me joy. There's a lot of things I, I quote this movie. Uh, a couple things in this movie, uh, especially one, there's a running joke between me and uh, another one of my best friends, Chad, who is actually, re- he was going to join us for this episode. Sadly, some really st- hard, some really, uh, some sh- life s- fucking kicked him in the nuts hard. Oh, man. And he was unable to unable to join us, and he's he was a little upset about it. He was, re- he was really looking forward to it, but he just could not make it happen. So he's gonna try, he's gonna try and join us again down the road. But uh, this is one of mine and his favorite movies, and there's a line that him and I quote all the time. Uh, but uh, I'm not gonna give that away just yet because that'll be in my uh, favorite quotes. But yeah, this this movie means a lot to me. In it, it's a movie I grew up with. It's a movie I love. Um, I I can understand exactly. Uh, all the things that Sam has said about why it's just middling for him. Oh, the oh, sorry. The other thing that I that you said that I think I would disagree with is the sixty-five Metascore. I think it's fine. It's you know if you break it down the same way we do, that's a three. That's a three out of five. So yeah. that's, that's that's fair. That's about right for what for somebody who didn't grow up with it and love it. I would have no problem with that. But yeah, uh, let's get into spoilers. So, sure. uh, spoilers for Tremors, a thirty-year-old film. In three, two, how what? Uh, go fuck yourself. How did that feel to say thirty-year-old film? It feels fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm actually really surprised that you didn't feel that the chemistry between Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward was anything less than than middling i'm i'm actually surprised because i f- i feel that that's one of the strongest points of this movie the other being 
the other being the trickery they use, the practical effects and the trickery they use to make this movie work on such a low budget. Yeah, there's some there's some fun filmmaking being used in this for sure. Uh, I love uh, the effects of the the graboids making their way through the uh, through the dirt is, is a lot a lot of fun. A lot of the POV shots yeah. uh, from the monsters are are a lot of fun. Uh, same sort of uh, idea as Lost Boys that we were talking about a couple weeks ago, except from the ground rather than from the sky. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I didn't mean to imply that I like disliked uh, what is it Earl and Val. Yep. Yeah, Earl and Val, they do have good comedic chemistry. It's just that a lot of their lines just kind of elicited more of a gentle exhale through my nose rather than like a full-on laugh. A lot of their lines like, uh, is this a job for an intelligent man? Well, show me one in Alaska. When that line came up, I was kind of like, ha <laughs> Like, they, they have some good lines, for sure. I'm just, I, I just, I never felt wowed, I guess. Fair enough. Yeah. Right. Maybe, maybe I'm asking too much. Maybe maybe a, a gentle uh, gentle exhale of air through the nose is uh, is enough. But I, I don't know. I, I they let's just say they were hit and miss, and their hits were just kind of like could be shrugged off. Yeah, that's that's totally fine. If mm-hmm. I if I try to remove the nostalgia factor of this film for me, I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't disagree with anything you say. But I yeah. can't. I'm incapable of doing it because this film has been with me for the majority of my life. We're looking at, what, two-thirds of my life this movie's been with me? Mm-hmm. So uh, this movie will always hold a special place in my heart. Watching it makes me happy. I love the simplicity of it. I do love, like I've, like you said, and you've joked about, uh, I think you've dropped the joke two or three times now, this is The Floor's Lava. And, yeah. it's, <laughs> and it's one of the reasons that I love this movie is that that game was always a fun game for me as a kid. Mm-hmm. And while the TV show on Netflix is slightly infuriating and not that enjoyable. Uh, I still love my daughter and I still play the floor is lava all the time. How can you not? I know we play and we play it everywhere. We play it in uh, parks. We play it at here at home. We play it all the time and I fucking love it. And in my mind, we're not playing the floor is lava. We're playing tremors. Oh yeah. That's at what age is, uh, is this appropriate for a little girl? My daughter is... This movie, I mean, I don't mean The Floor is Lava because that's yeah. appropriate for everybody at every age, always. Uh, my daughter is an even bigger pussy than I am. <laughs> Hard to believe. I know, I know. <laughs> so I'm actually unsure of when I'm going to be able to show this to her yeah. because it will probably give her nightmares for years because yeah. she, she couldn't even handle Black Panther dying in the Black Panther movie. Whoops, traumatized my daughter irreparably. Yep. And yeah. and I try my best not to do too much to traumatize her because I desperately don't want the phone call from my ex-wife. Yeah, that's that. And you say you're not a good father, <laughs> <laughs> trying not to traumatize your <laughs> traumatize your daughter simply because of what it would do to you. Yes, yes. <laughs> I would happily. I would. I would show her Jaws tomorrow night if I <laughs> if I wouldn't get a phone call from Julie. <laughs> uh, I would show up. I would do my best to show up. <laughs> um, 
it's it's I don't know I guess I guess we're just gonna be at odds the whole episode because there's so many things that I loved about uh, Val and Earl. The if you want this episode to just be Manny gushing about Tremors, I am so okay with that. No, I, no, I don't want I don't want the show to be about Manny gushing about Tremors. I, I I'm happy to gush and then to be uh, mocked incessantly for 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 being such a fanboy. I would never. How dare you, sir? This movie <laughs> is near and dear to you. I'd never. I, well, maybe a little bit. A little bit. The, yeah, a little bit. Um, I, I do want to. I do want to talk about the the camera work and the practical effects. I was as I was watching, I was trying to envision what they would, how they would do this movie now with CGI, and I think this movie would be complete and utter horseshit. It I would be way worse off for it. The movie has this kitschy fun feeling about it throughout because of the lack of budget and the lack of well they didn't even have cgi in 1990 but i love how when the graboids are chasing him all they're doing is they're running the camera along the ground at at foot height and just running towards the actors it conveys exactly what's going on and gives you an idea of what these things are doing it's it's a perfect it's a perfect way to show it. It's basically, it's 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 a, it's along the same lines as what Spielberg had to do with the shark and Jaws. The shark didn't work. He had to find ways to show the shark was there without having a shark. And these guys, all they had to do was run a camera along the ground to make it seem like the graboids were digging through the earth. It's a that seems to be seems to be a common theme in a lot of horror movies. I think is that the monster gets way scarier when it's not on screen very long. It, it's it's way scarier to imagine what the monster must look like than it is to actually see it. And I I, think. I, I agree. I think that's great. And the fun thing is is these graboids, I think they're I think they're an incredibly fun design of a monster. Mm-hmm. I, I love the way that they're designed. I I love and while it's obviously you can either call it a ripoff or an homage to the extra mouth in the xenomorph and aliens with their snake tongues. It's, I think it's still, I think that's such a scary thought on its own that it, it just works so well, not in this movie in that it's scary. It's just kind of a gross thought on what would happen if those were real and you were in that situation. Like, that's how I've always thought about it. Like I've, I've always been like those, like those tongue snake things are fucking gross and yet also at the same time scary in the form of what they can do and how they're used am i making sense there i think so yeah like yeah like like i'm not i'm not i was never scared watching the movie i was scared thinking what would happen if i was in that situation Mm. and uh, i mean i i think we've talked about this before with horror movies where you kind of like to play a game of like, where would you survive? And if so, how would you survive? So what's the verdict on Tremors? Would would you survive Tremors? Hundred percent. You would. Hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, get him size because you're because you're really good at the floor is lava, and you've been practicing with your daughter all these years. I'm I'm one. Yes, I am really <laughs> good at the floor is lava. I've always been really good at the floor is lava. And two, maybe not so much now because I'm a little out of practice. But I used to be like a little fucking monkey. Like I could, yeah. I could jump and climb on everything. Like I was very nimble, and so you know, like in that's in the scene where they're, well, it's only 
Finn, uh, what's her fucking name? Rhonda. Mm-hmm. When Rhonda's jumping from shelf to shelf when they're in the store, I would be fully capable of doing the same. So, 100%. Shaun of the Dead, easy to survive. Because well, you, you just have to be the main character, and then you can walk through crowds. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. And then Lost Boys, ugh, I don't think I'd survive that one. No, Lost Boys, I'm not surviving. Shaun of the Dead, if if I don't have the plot armor of being Shaun, I don't know. It's a it's a toss up. It'd be tough because when you're when you're not the protagonist in Shaun of the Dead, you really you actually have to fuck up some zombies to survive. Mm-mm. All you no? got all you gotta do is go. <laughs> uh, member if they yeah. just done that for the entire film until the army arrived they all would have survived they didn't even have to go inside the winchester yeah but they didn't know how long that was going to work for <laughs> you need some serious endurance to just walk around for days on end going uh true that'll get tiring after some time true but going into Winchester led to a lot of their deaths. Forgot to say spoilers for Shaun of the Dead in case you haven't listened last week. Yeah, go back and listen to our Shaun of the Dead episode if you want to know how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I think I would survive Shaun of the Dead, I would survive Tremors, and I would die in Lost Boys. I think I would die in Lost Boys and Shaun of the Dead, probably. I would argue that not being Shaun is a massive disadvantage in that universe. <laughs> uh, and I would survive Tremors, come on, like. Nobody dies who's not a faceless construction worker or a minority in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's a minority that di- Oh, right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, no. Exactly no. The, the Mexican survived. That's true. So did that's so true. did so did the single mom. Which is great. I yeah. think that's great. Yeah. Just I'm just saying traditionally in horror movies, Manny. Yeah. You, they you can't bu- tell me there's they, no there's they, no Buck the trend in this one with the Mexican surviving. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to you. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> we wait. Although wait. The, the Chinese shop owner was a was a layup. If if you're starting tremors for the first time and you're filling out a death pool, uh, I'm pretty sure uh, the Chinese shop owner is is bingo free square in the middle. <laughs> what about the uh, what about the teenager? Do you think Mel? Uh, teenager, I wanted to die <laughs> for sure. I I was rooting for him to get a graboid to the face, uh, basically throughout the duration of this movie. He was annoying as shit. What was his name? It was something Melvin. Stupid. Melvin. Melvin. Yeah. Melvin Plug. Is there an uglier name in the English language than Melvin Plug? I don't think so. I agree. And a terrible, terrible character. Yes. I mean, not not even necessarily from the perspective of like I didn't enjoy him, but like. I wanted him to die at every turn. Yes, me too. And he refused to. It was a little irritating. Uh, just I'm just going to jump randomly all over. Yeah, go. The septic tank scene still grosses me out. It's so disgusting. Yeah, looks like black paint. Yes. Yeah. I remember every, every time I watch it, I just get this disgusting, gross feeling about me whenever it fucking sprays all over the boat. And then fucking Melvin's sitting there laughing at him. What are you laughing at? The septic tank is being sprayed all over your yard and your home. Get get out of the (laughs) shit radius, Melvin. What are you doing? Um, there actually was um one, the cat like I was talking about the camera work and how they they use the practical effects and stuff like that. I love the creature design. Like I really love the creature design. I love the practical effects. There actually was one moment where there was actually some great cinematography and camera movements. I don't know if you picked up on it, but it's old Fred's death, the one with the sheep. Mm. 
it's one long shot where there's a camera on a crane and they pull up in the truck and the crane just pulls back and pulls up and it follows them. It's it's a it's the it doesn't cut for about a minute, forty five seconds. Like they go in. Oh, yeah, I'm it, not gonna lie, I did not notice. Yeah, it's 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 really well done and i was surprised cuz i was i was just basically i was really just trying to find other things to talk about about this movie instead of me loving the chemistry between bacon and ward which you didn't but other stuff as well and yeah it's this it's the the, the truck pulls in in the middle of the frame they get out the camera pulls back and then pulls up. And so you almost have this bird's eye view of them walking, yelling for Fred. They go in the house. It doesn't cut. You watch them come out of the house. And when they finally get into the garden where they find Fred's head, that's where the first cut is. So it's about 45 seconds of this one shot. And the camera goes up. The, it, the, it cranes up and you see them from kind of a bird's eye. And then it comes back down and then it cuts. It's just a nice little camera move that I, I thought was actually really well executed that I had always seen, but never really noticed until this viewing. Yeah, sort of an interesting uh, concept coming back to movies from your childhood that you've loved uh, with a critical eye. Yeah. Because a lot of movies like Shaun of the Dead, I've never taken the time really to to dissect that movie and to, to go through all the little nuances of it and stuff. It's a, it's a very strange feeling. So yeah, noticing something like this in a movie that's sort of just campy and silly Mm -hmm. so you're like oh shit this actually is like a a piece of filmmaking right here this is this is kind of a nice little flourish uh shout out to alexander grushinsky the cinematographer on this movie uh who you may know from other masterpieces such as medea goes to jail and medea's witness protection witness protection um and nothing else that i recognize (laughs) maybe nancy drew nancy drew he did yeah. Let me take a look and see if I recognize anything. Because he probably, with him being from the 80s and 90s, he might have done some stuff that I actually do know. His, uh, Wiki- his Wikipedia page is not very long. Let's see. Nope. Don't know any of those. Don't know. Uh, there's Tremors. Beautiful. No. No. I don't see. Oh, The Craft, I know. Blech. Uh he, It was the cinematographer on a movie simply called Dick. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's a movie about Richard Nixon. Yep, Richard mm, Nixon. Makes... Look at you go. My yeah. goodness. Kristen you Dun- know every movie. Kristen Dunst and Michelle Williams. I heard it was actually pretty good. Um, that's a surprise. <laughs> let's see. No, I don't see... No, I don't see anything else that he's done that I that I know that is actually all that good. Uh, which is fine, because this movie... The cinematography in this movie isn't anything to write home of, home about, but the the film looks good. It's shot in the middle of the day in the middle of the desert. It's very bright. Uh, like I said, there's no the cinematography didn't bother me either way. I, I I really liked. It's just it's just it's just a well it's it's a shot it's a well shot movie. It's it's serviceable, especially considering the subject matter and considering the practical effects. It does a good job of showcasing them. So yeah. It's it's functional and therefore good in my opinion. Yeah, the I, I I wrote this I wrote this down I this is my notes as I wrote them I will quote ha 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 I literally just after thirty years of watching this movie just realized how ridiculous it is that they took Edgar to the doctor's house when they find the old man dead up on the powerhouse they actually yeah. took him down and took him to the doctor's house. 
<laughs> and it's never occurred to me how ridiculous that is. I'm not going to lie to you. That did not occur to me either. Then <laughs> that's the beauty of this movie is that you just don't take it seriously. But they yeah. literally pulled that old dead man off of the power lines, brought him down, put him in the back of his truck because you see a shot of these feet sticking out of the back of the truck and the doctor throwing the cloth back over his body, which made me realize, where did they take Edgar after this? <laughs> yeah. Really? Is there is there a graveyard nearby? I don't know. But I love that. I've watched this movie easily 30 times. Easily 30 times. Never thought about how funny it is they took him to his house. And, and I never thought about where they took Edgar after they took him to his house. Once a year since it came out, eh? Easily once a year, if not more. Oh, if not more. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, yeah, just think about all the movies you love. You probably watch them about once a year. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead comes around every October. Yeah. I've, I've actually seen it probably. I watched it during isolation as well before I knew we were going to be doing an episode on it. Watched it probably back in April recently. And, I mean, I just said I watched Superbad, and I just watched that like three months ago probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, we, I, I rewatch a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So when you're my age, getting the movies that high up, watching them that many times, isn't that big of a deal. That's a, that's a badge of honor, though. Yeah. What movie do you think you've seen the most? Sorry, this is a random random question. What movie do you think you've seen the most? I would my argue I would honestly have a hard time saying it's not Back to the Future mm -hmm. or The Social Network. Really? The Social Network that high, eh? Yeah, cuz I I I'm Does it count? Does it count if I would like this sounds like something bad, but like I would put on The Social Network with the commentary on to fall asleep to. I'd I'd fall asleep to the dulcet tones of David Fincher telling me what a genius he is. You're such a fucking nerd, you know that? <laughs> <laughs> and I love it, obviously. Um, I think that I think that kind of counts. Okay. I mean, you didn't, if, didn't watch the entire thing, but if you fall asleep watching a movie that you've already seen, I'd still say that you technically watched it. I don't know. Gets into a philosophical debate there. So back Probably to the, Back to the Future with The Social Network in second place. Back to the Future is probably number one. Um... Like Mallrats would probably be up there because I really enjoyed that movie a lot when it came out and then watched it nonstop. Mm -hmm. mm. Do you have ballpark estimates for any of these for numbers? No, no. Back to the Future <sighs> came out what eighty five, eighty four, eighty five, roughly. Yeah, I would say Back to the Future is well over sixty, seventy times. I probably watch it at least twice a year, minimum. Mm. Like I've, I wonder if this will tell me how many times I watched it. Hold on. Oh, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm glad we went on this little tangent. A lot of them don't make any sense, including this one. But let's see if this, this, this is what the people tune in for. Let's see if this will tell me. Hmm. Okay. Well, You're trying I, to find oh. a counter of how many times you've seen Back to the Future. Yeah, I've watched it. I've watched Back to the Future twice this year. Hmm. Oh, are you going on uh, Letterbox? Yep. That makes sense. So I've already watched it twice this year, and we'll I'm be... so bad at keeping up to date, logging the movies that I've watched. I keep intending to go back into my notes and logging all of the ones that I've written down that I've watched in the What We've Been Watching section. Just have not done it. Probably will not do it anytime soon. What I should do is... What I should, what I should do is when we're doing our pre-show prep talk, I should like go in your letterbox and put the movies in that you're talking about today in there. 
that's exactly what you should do. Okay, I will. Get I will. I will. For this shit. I will try and get on you for this, and and try and get you in the habit of doing it right before we go on air. If anyone doesn't know what the fuck we're talking about, by the way, Letterbox is just an app that we use to track the movies that we watch. Uh, you can like rate them, you can review them if you want. You don't have to though, and you can track how many times you've watched them, stuff like that. Just uh, really fun, and for nerds like me and Manny who not only like movies but like statistics and just tracking that sort of thing i don't know it's it's kind of fun and you can like link your accounts and stuff which i don't think we've even done uh i think we have but well maybe we haven't but wes and mike chardulo are on there and wes is really active on there and wes, it's... oh my god in the group chat what shout out to wes he's got a new movie or two like every day that I, he's watching it's i know amazing it's His awesome case that he's going on right now is blistering yeah well it's what, it's what happens when you're an 18 year old kid yeah, I remember when I had that much free time and I didn't have to work all the time. Yeah. And I didn't have things things like relationships taking up all my time. I know. And great thing with Wes, and, and which is truly flattering to us all, is he's watching a lot of movies that all of us have been recommending to him. Yeah, he just watched uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind for the first time, which is one of the, I think, three movies that both Manny and I had on our top 20. Yep. Yeah. So we both obviously love that movie, and Wes loved it too. Yeah, so he was. It's been he was so much fun. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Um, the other thing uh, to get back to our film that we we're talking oh, about. Oh, sorry. What are we even talking about today? Yes. Uh, the the doctor's death at his house always like I I always had this I don't know this reaction to it. it I I think it's. I hate to say it, I hate to term it this way because of the movie we're talking about, but it's well done. Like it's when he gets sucked into that hole and he's screaming and she's desperately trying to help him. And you know, there's no chance that this guy is going to survive. I don't know. For some reason it always, I don't, it just, it just got me in, in all honesty out of the, all of the deaths in this movie, this is the one that's like hardest for me to watch, even though it's, really? it's not gruesome. It's not scary. I just, I don't know. It just just uncomfortable. Yeah, like it's, I'm just like I'm like fuck. This is like this is the only this is the only death in this whole movie that to me is actually truly horrifying. Hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe it's just because I kind of had my uh, horror reflex turned off during this movie, uh, just because of what it was. But yeah, it, it didn't affect me in the same way. I'm I'm curious. Yeah. Uh, about that. I don't know. It's 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 always been that way. That's the only death in this movie. Any single time I've watched it, where I'm actually, I have a little bit of an actual reaction to it. I'm not like oh, scared. I'm okay. just, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just that I'm, maybe I'm touched that it's an old couple and she, you can see her love for her husband, even though it's barely set up. And these, what this is, what the second scene of these characters. I don't yeah. know. There's just, I, I think it's something perhaps in their performances or just the idea of this old married couple who are building this beautiful home. This is where they're going to retire. They've moved to this small town of 14 people <laughs> to, to finish off their, their lives. And I, 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 I don't know. Maybe I just always thought that was kind of beautiful. And then to, to have it end like this, where he's literally eaten alive, his, I, I don't know. I guess his screaming, his yelling, and all that, and her desperation. I don't know. I, I just think it's kind of like a well-done scene from these two completely unknown actors who I've never seen again before. Huh? I, I'm glad you managed to have that kind of reaction. I, I didn't get any of that. I It's not like I was sitting here rolling my eyes at it or anything. Um, 
But yeah, I, it didn't have that same sort of emotional resonance to me. Again, probably just because I haven't seen it as often as you have. Um, that's not to say I'm not terrified at the idea of being dragged to the ground, dragged through the ground by a monster. That's not what I'm saying at all. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Didn't have the same effect on me. Shit, he's still alive. No, he got dragged into the ground, didn't you see? Oh, yes, that's true. Yeah. Wait, he's the actor still alive, really? Yeah. He is, let's see, th- uh, so he would be 60, he's 88 years old. He's how How many years old? He's 88 now. Oof, good for him. Yeah. The Graboids haven't gotten him yet. No. Conrad Bachman? Yeah. Yeah, uh, good for him. Yeah. Um. Let's see, the, the one, um, after they've, Escape, oh, well, okay, I'm just jumping all over the place. When they go to uh, get Rhonda after they've discovered, or when Rhonda, sorry, when Rhonda happens upon them after they've killed the first Graboid, or the technically the first Graboid killed itself. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're trapped on the rock, there's that one shot of all of them pole vaulting at the same time. I think it's a beautiful shot. It's, it is a beautiful shot. It just kind of struck me as, I don't know, odd. I, I, I guess it shouldn't feel out of place just because of the type of movie that it is. But I don't know. I was, I, I, I did notice it. I was like, okay, that looks cool. But they're all just going to pull vault in unison on three. Sure. Okay. Why not? It was, it was sort of like a silly thing that I felt I needed to accept. It, it's good looking. It just doesn't really make any sense in my opinion. Fair. Also, can we just talk about the fact that there are just these poles? There are just these poles sitting next to this rock. Are these set up at any point? Like, as far as why they're there or anything like that? Not that I can recall. Yeah. Okay. Just asking. I, uh, just when they grabbed the poles, the first thing I thought of was, just, so there are just these pole vaulting poles right next to this random rock in the middle of this desert. All right. Again, it was just a shrug of the shoulder. Like, sure. Why not? Let's let's go with this. Let's go with this scene. It's funny. Never thought of that in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought there would be some explanation, but I guess not. Yeah, fair enough. Um, when they get back to Chang's, they have a scene where they're all trying to figure out like where they're from. And I always love... I always found it enjoyable that they keep asking Rhonda because she's from the university... And she's like, why do you keep asking me? That Her delivery of that line, actually, that may have elicited the largest laugh of the movie from me. And not even a laughing at a, haha, it's so cheesy that it's good. But that elicited a genuine chuckle from me when she said, why do you keep asking me? Because <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I was like, how the fuck is she supposed to know? She's sitting right there with you guys. Yes. Uh, I I always enjoyed that scene as they're, trying to figure out where they're from. Rhonda's using the limited knowledge that she has about biology and the history of animals. You know, she's like, they, there's no fossil record, so they predate the fossils. She's like, okay, so they're a couple million years old, and we've just never seen them until now. The scene kind of reminded me of that scene that you and I love in Looper, where they talk about, they talk about time travel, where yeah. these characters are just discussing it, so the audience, because these are the same type of questions the audience is going to have, and then they, they're like, it doesn't matter what they're called. It doesn't matter where they're from. We're just dealing with this situation as it is. And that's yeah, exactly you, what this movie is. You need to realize, as a viewer of this movie, that this sort of scene, this type of scene, 
is the director and the writer speaking directly at you, yes. the audience. It's it's the direct when when a character says it doesn't matter, in, especially in a movie like this. That is the writer speaking directly at you, the audience, saying, "Hey, don't worry about it. I know there are unanswered questions about the origins of these things and how did nobody notice these before? And are they aliens? Are they already like it doesn't matter. It's a horror movie. There are worms in the ground that eat people." Just go with it. Yeah. Which is totally fine. And you're right. It's uh, it, it works in this movie as well. That, that looper scene is a great analogy. Yeah. It's just, it's very similar. Um, did you ever watch that massive – is it technically a horror film? That massive uh, phenomenon last year with Sandra Bullock, Bird Box. I did. I did. Yeah. Remember, I don't think we're, we ever are told how those creatures came to be. No, and it that's no explanations whatsoever. Right, and it doesn't matter. That movie was fine. I had lukewarm feelings about that movie as well. I was entertained by the premise, and a couple things in it had me entertained. I was entertained. Yeah. I was entertained. I haven't I, I watched felt, it again. I, might. I felt roughly. I felt roughly the same about Bird Box as I did about this movie. Like I would watch it again, and I was entertained. But it's also nothing to write home about. Yeah, in my in my opinion. That being said, I loved. I love me some John Malkovich. <laughs> John Malkovich and Bird Box is like the best part of that movie. My favorite part of Bird Box is when that lady sees them and gets back into the burning car. Yeah. That's where I was like, holy fuck. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, crazy. Um, okay. I can't believe the dude from Moonlight went from Moonlight to that. <laughs> <laughs> He must have been on set in that movie being like, fuck, this is a step back for sure. <laughs> <laughs> From winning best picture, the bird box. Uh, I'm kind of shitting on that movie. It's really not that bad. It's just, it's, I, I knew a lot of people that like loved that movie. It was fine. It was okay. Maybe I should watch it again. Interesting. Nah. Interesting. The movie, the movie is not as interesting as its concept. Let's put it that way. Oh, good call. Yeah. That, that's how I'm going to put that. Um, the attack on the Gummer rec room. Uh, this this was a ludicrous scene. <laughs> <laughs> this scene actually, I mean, I, now that we're going through it, I did laugh a couple of times because this was one that definitely got a genuine laugh from me. Uh, what What is the line that he says after the thing dies? Broke into the goddamn rec room, didn't you? <laughs> so fucking stupid but the over-the-top writing and the over-the-top delivery yeah it fits for what the movie is it's it, it i i like that that was another line i genuinely got a good laugh at did you did you laugh at all on that camera move where they back up and it pans over and you see their wall of guns yeah, the the scene or the moment where they go for the elephant gun, I think. <laughs> and I'm just like, there's all these guns on the wall. I don't think another gun is gonna do the trick if these all didn't. And it's it's behind glass, you know, yeah. for safety. <laughs> <laughs> you know, God forbid a child would walk into that room and grab that gun in particular. So I'm I'm glad they're taking the proper safety precautions. Yes. Uh, yeah, that that. Everything about that scene, uh, including the layout of the room, is just fucking ridiculous. And yeah. I liked it. I, I I laughed a lot in that scene. This is this is actually a great scene where the um 
the, the camera trickery is actually really good because it, it keeps panning both left and right. So when it pans <clears throat> when it pans to the left, it goes over to the gummers and you see them firing their guns, and then it pans to the right and you see the graboid. There's a I don't know if you can see it, but there's a cut in there because the graboid is actually a hand puppet. Uh, okay, no, I, I didn't see the cut. Yeah, that whole set where the graboid comes through the wall, it's actually a miniature, and that's literally just a hand. It's a hand puppet. Oh, okay. It's a hand puppet. It's one of the great special effects, and those those are the things that I miss because if this was done nowadays, that whole thing would have done been in CGI. It was, uh, I was just... I was just so happy to see I'm such a fan of practical effects and I love obviously I know with CGI you can do more things with it and you can make things much more realistic but the simplicity and uh, of these practical effects in this movie is kind of what adds to my nostalgic love for this film yeah I was actually just having a conversation uh, like this with somebody at work today about how adding constraints to yourself when you're uh, creating a work of art, and this could be about anything. Our conversation was actually about music, but it applies here too. When you're adding constraints to yourself voluntarily when you're creating a work of art, I find it can actually help you become more creative, not less. Mm. So when you're working with fewer tools, like if you if you have a tool like CGI at your disposal, sure, you you can make anything, but I think having to maneuver your way around the obstacles that you face can have an effect of making you more creative. I, I was having this conversation with somebody today in the context of uh, a number of hit songs being written in like an hour. Like there, there's stories about, if you know the song Cherry Pie by Warrant, that song was like, they already had their album written and the and they were just like, hey, we just need one more track to fill it out. Can you just give us something? And they had to write a track in like an hour. Uh, that sort of constraint that they're giving actually may have helped their creative process, not hindered it. Mm. And that song, of course, wound up be- becoming a massive hit. But I-, I was just trying to draw a parallel with that here. Nice. I, well, I like yeah. it. Mm. Um, the I-, I like I-, I like how while the premise of the film itself is ludicrous, I love that most of the things that they try to do make sense. I don't think what most of the main characters do is anything stupid. There are some stupid characters who die, like I can't remember the guy's name who jumps on the tire on the ground, thinking that's... Yeah, some, that's... some red shirt, some nobody. Yeah, uh, fuck. Edgar. Um, you know, and... and the, or, well, are, you ta- are you talking about Nestor? Nestor, thank you. Yeah, yeah Nestor. Nestor. Um. He deserves his death, but, you know, she, uh, Rhonda, you know, she's like, when she sees, when she sees the Graboid, the first one that, that kills itself running into the wall, you know, she sees the little thorns on its side. She's like, this must be how it moves itself along, knowing what she does about seismology. She understands that they're hearing vibrations. She talks about that you don't can hear them through the rocks as an amplifier, and then she talks about how they can just move through the sand, and so for them to be safe, they just need to get to the mountains. And so they ha- all the plans that they do to get in the mountains, in, as far as I know, all made sense. And the, the Graboids fucked them along the way. And then they, they get the big tractor and all that. Uh, I just thought, I didn't feel that it felt... I don't, I don't feel they did anything... At least not off the top of my head that fell into the stupid. This is gonna. This just leads you to getting killed. 
No, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. And uh, one of the things that the movie does really well in that regard as well is that the creatures are not stupid. The creatures are constantly learning, and they're learning about the tactics that people are using. They're, they study the buildings at one point to figure out how they can maybe collapse them. Like, the creatures are smart, and the people in this movie are likable and relatable because the plans that they come up with are, they're desperate, but they're workable, and they're the kind of plans that would work. Yep. And they're the kind of plan, they're the kind of creative plans that you should come up with in a situation like this if you want to survive. So mm -hmm. I, I, I like that aspect of it. You're right. Nobody in this decision, or sorry, excuse me, nobody in this movie made a bad decision that didn't get them killed, which yeah. is... Honestly, a, a great aspect of a horror movie. Um, I don't know if you saw, going back to, to Chang's death, um, I don't know if you saw the, it was, it's hinted at that it's an homage to Jaws because he dies the same way that Quint does. He dies, in, in, in Quint dies in Jaws in the mouth of the shark and he's being, he's kind of, shook back a little back and forth, right. screams a little bit. Same with Chang. It's rumored that that was an homage to Jaws. Okay. Uh, I, I did. I, I love that. I, wow, spoiler for Jaws. Yeah. I don't need to even watch it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen Jaws. <laughs> when we do, I, I when, knew you were going to give me crap for that. When we doing a Jaws episode? That's the real question. Why haven't we done a Jaws episode yet? Well... We've had two whole horror months. It's technically not a horror film. Oh, yeah. It's not listed on IMDb as horror. That's like our only rule about these things. Yes. Adventure... Not a very, not a very good rule, but it's a rule. <laughs> adventure thriller. That's why I did make my hor my top five horror films. Yeah, that must have pained you. It did. And same with the, <laughs> o same with the other one I wanted on there, Aliens. Not a horror film. But again, Jaws uh, sort of... Sort of like the movies we've talked about today that we've talked about in Halloween Horror Month. Not that scary. There's there's a couple of moments in that movie that are genuinely scary. When the when the body shows up at the beginning, that one is, fucking kills me. The body at the beginning. Like, isn't there a scene where they uh, a a body is floating underwater? No, you're you're right. thinking uh, there, it's it, that's not in the beginning. That's in the middle. Okay. Yeah, it's. I've it, only. I've probably only seen Jaws like low single digits, probably like three times. I would disagree with you in saying that it's not scary because that movie affected people massively. Well, in in the seventies, nobody had seen anything like that before. Yes, like I'm sure at the time those effects were groundbreaking and terrifying. Yes, and to this day, it affects people's opinions of sharks, like. People all over the world still think the Great Whites are uh, are mass murderers. Yes. And uh, really, it's quite the opposite. Um, but yeah, so at the time, absolutely, it was scary. But I do not personally find Jaws scary when I watch it. And as has been established, I am a wimp. I am a pussy. Whatever word you want to use, uh, I do not like scary movies. Uh, but I, I just personally don't find Jaws that scary. It's fair enough. Barring maybe a couple scenes. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I really need to talk about. I need to stretch this out anymore. 
Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you, Manny. I ran out of notes about 30 minutes ago, and uh, I've been coasting, coasting off your energy, off your momentum for the last little bit. So oh, good. I, I'm good whenever you are. Cool. Let's get into some trivia. For the yeah. scene in which Rhonda had to get out of her pants to escape the graboid about to eat her, Finn Carter intentionally didn't rehearse the scene. That way, the response she gives having to de-pants in front of Kevin Bacon in less than five seconds was authentic. Oof. That would not fly in uh, in today's presence of the Me Too movement. No. Uh, Kevin Bacon would, let her call, would later call filming of Tremors to be the single most fun time I've ever had making a movie in my entire career. That's wholesome. That's fun. It looked like it was fun. This movie, like, if you're just not taking it seriously, you're just having a time of your life. Hmm. Uh, one idea by the special effects crew was for the worms to have an outer shell. When above the dirt, the shell would retract to reveal a slimier inner worm. However, many production members started to giggle at the phallic resemblance it had with a foreskin. So this was changed to the big worm sprouting several smaller worms from its mouth. Honestly, everything in this movie already looks like dicks, kind of. Pretty much. Yeah. So uh, there are actually there are only two interior sets in the entire movie: Walter's store, uh, Gunner's basement, and Gunner's basement. Yeah. Every other shot is an exterior, so they shot outside all day long. Must have been nice. It looks like it was hot there, though. Yeah, it's in Arizona. <laughs> when they're when they're sitting on those rocks in the Arizona sun and they're wearing like jean jackets, I'm like, oh my god, how do you do that? Uh, let's see. Oh no, they were sorry, they were in California. Even so, the the point remains. Yep. Um. Although Tremors was not a big hit during its theatrical run, the film became a runaway smash in the home video market and ultimately tripled its original box office gross with VHS, VHS sales and rentals. Uh, did you watch this movie for the first time in theaters or on no, VHS? VHS. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for anyone listening uh, my age, VHS is an outdated <laughs> form of uh, video entertainment. It was sort of like a DVD, but uh, with a lot more black tape inside of it. <laughs> Uh, prior to the film's release, Bacon felt that the film was a career low. Quote, I broke down and fell to the sidewalk, screaming to my pregnant wife, I can't believe I'm doing a movie about underground worms. End quote. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, the gag at the beginning of the film where Val misses a staple eight times with his hammer was not entirely scripted and was Kevin Bacon's spontaneous idea. Fred Ward's reaction was completely genuine. The original screenplay included an additional perfection resident, Viola, a nagging and hateful old lady who mostly stayed to herself. She also had an aggressive Rottweiler that barked constantly. She meets her demise during the first attack when a graboid breaks through the floor of her house and eats her off screen. It has never been officially stated as to why her character was excluded from the film. Yeah, that's kind of questionable. It's a pretty short runtime on the movie, right? Yeah, hour Maybe. 39. Yeah, maybe they just wanted to keep it compact. Fair enough. Uh, though they are never mentioned or appear, it is thought that Melvin's parents spend most of their time in Las Vegas and left him behind. Yeah, I would leave him behind too. He's a Hopefully little... to be murdered by underground worms. Yep. Uh, the original ending of the film was much different. Val and Earl head out to Bixby, and Val doesn't hook up with Rhonda, but it is implied. The two are looking for their lighter and realize that Rhonda still has it. They turn around and head back. This ending was shot and tested for one audience and was not well received. It really? Is a... I, I like that. You like that one? I kind of like that. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, uh, 
working title feels, feels a little sorry just feels a little too cliche the ending that we got it, yeah, yeah the big kiss at the end yeah it just feels like every other movie that's fair give me something new yeah i i could i i, I agree with you i think that that would be nice yeah anyway. um working titles for the film were beneath perfection that's a little on the nose dead silence I'm sure that's been reused. And land sharks. La- Again, on the nose. Yeah. I, I think Tremors is better than all of those. I think Tremors is perfect. Um, casting what ifs. Uh, uh, Brent Maddock, uh, one of the screenwriters, said uh, while filming the script, he imagined Burt and Heather Gummer being played by Chuck Norris and Linda Hamilton. Oh, that would have made this movie <laughs> so much cooler. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Uh, I've seen far too few Chuck Norris movies, or maybe just the right amount. No, you've I'm seen. Not sure. Trust me, you've seen just the right amount. I've seen one. I think specifically one Chuck Norris movie. This this movie called The Cutter, which I don't remember anything about, which was terrible. Uh, I remember that it was terrible. I've seen about six or seven. The yeah. only one I can remember watching that I liked, and but I haven't seen it. It's called Lone Wolf McQuaid. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, don't know anything about that. I never watched... Uh, he was uh, Walker, Texas Ranger, right? Yeah. Definitely. One of my... I, I know you hate all Will Ferrell movies, almost. Uh, but uh, one of my favorite parts of Talladega Nights is that his son's names are Walker and Texas Ranger. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, oh, brutal. Uh, the last one. Uh, composer Robert Folk was brought in at the very last minute to rescore the film. This was due to the original score composed by credited composer Ernest Troost was lacking the punch that it needed for the film musically. Approximately 30 minutes or more was written by Folk and strangely goes uncredited in the film's credits. Oddly enough, oddly enough, both scores are used in the films. True score is the more westernly and country-like with the usage of guitars and harmonicas and is mostly used in softer moments, whereas Folk score is more epic and uses more trumpets, violins, and big instruments and is used more closer to the climax and in more intense moments. Hmm. I I honestly found myself listening to the music a little bit in this movie, and I liked the more uh, Western style. Me when too. It was, when it arrived, the brass, uh, the brass section when it comes in, the, tr- the trumpet just feels a little out of place. It, I, it feels like it was a rejected Star Wars score or something like that. It, it feels kind of weird. I love the Western feel. Me of, too. Of I, I love the harmonicas in this in this uh, in this movie. Totally. Uh, all right. Favorite quotes. I've got seven. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> You want me to go? Yeah, go, man. All right. Uh, number one from Valentine McKee. This is one of my favorite, and the reason this is one of my favorites is because of Kevin Bacon's delivery, which I won't be as good at as him, but I will try my best. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valentine McKee. Roger that, Burton. Congratulations. Be advised, however, that there are two more, repeat, two more mother humpers. <laughs> Were they not allowed to say fuck for this movie? I guess it was probably uh, probably PG, right? Yeah, and actually, if you ever watch this again, Sam, yeah, watch Kevin Bacon say that line. Don't listen I to noticed, it. I noticed. <laughs> I did notice that his lips were out of sync. Yes, he does. So he does. He said motherfucker. Yes, he definitely says okay. motherfucker. But they overdubbed it to keep it PG. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, quote number two from Burt Gummer. Food for five years, a thousand gallons of gas, air filtration, water filtration, Geiger counter, bomb shelter, underground goddamn monsters. 
pretty good. Number three, Burt Gummer. Broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you, you bastard? <laughs> oh, I love the commitment. I'm loving this. Keep going. <laughs> uh, no, this one, it's stupid. It's a running joke through the whole movie, but I don't care. I love it. Uh, it's Earl. Pardon my French. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, and then Rhonda reverses it on him. Yep. Number five, Earl, uh, a little uh, exchange between Earl and Valentine, Valentine. And this is, again, Kevin Bacon's delivery of the very last two words in this quote is why it makes this list. But Earl, stupid son of a bitch, knocked itself cold. Val, cold my ass, he's dead. We killed it. We killed it. Fuck you. <laughs> that fuck you and the way that Kevin Bacon delivers it, chef's kiss gold. Really good. Uh, number six uh, from Walter Chang. That's what I like. Graboids. That's it. Graboids. I love I love Walter's enthusiasm throughout this movie. He cracks me up. Such a stupid fucking name. <laughs> it's so stupid. He, he chose the name. Yeah. Uh, and the last quote is from Valentine McKee. Again, it's all Kevin Bacon's delivery and pronunciation, which I will butcher. This valley is just one long smorgasbord. Those are my favorite quotes. Sam, what do you got? Uh, I got four. Okay. Uh, two of them are actually back and forth between Earl and Valentine. So I guess I may have jumped the gun in uh, dismissing their chemistry. But uh, when Earl says, damn it, listen to me, I'm older and wiser. And Valentine says, yeah, well, you're half right. Yep. I got a little chuckle as well as uh, Earl saying, is this a job for an intelligent man? <laughs> Valentine saying, well, show me one and I'll ask him. And then the other two that I have are uh, when they ask Rondo what it's doing when it's checking out the building. And she says, why do you keep asking me? <laughs> <laughs> Her complete disbelief in the delivery of that line is really good. And then the last one uh, is one that I have overlapped with you. Broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you, you bastard? Yes. <laughs> Actually got a full on laugh from me. Epic line. For me, I have to choose this one because this is the one I talked about that me and uh, my friend Chad say all the time. It's uh, be advised, however, there are two more, repeat, two more Mother Humbers. <laughs> it's it's Kevin Bacon's delivery and the fact that me and Chad still, to this day, 30 years later, still say this to one another. So I have to pick that one as my, my, my favorite quote. Fantastic. Um, you know what? I think I am going to go with broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you, you bastard? I love that it. One's, that one's a lot of fun. I love it. Uh, favorite scene? I actually only have three. Okay. Uh, this isn't a very long movie, so I wouldn't have expected a long list for these. No. Uh, I have Chang's death, mm -hmm. the attack on the Gummer's rec room, and the discovery of the first Graboid. So when they're at Chang's and they're all talking about it, like where they're from, what to call them. Uh, and then, you know, all that kind of stuff. I had more scenes than what I have written down here that I liked, mm -hmm. but honestly, I only had one in consideration for my favorite. So I, I, I just put that I had one candidate okay. and it's the, the Gummer's rec room. Yeah. And uh, that's, that is the most easily the most fun I had in this movie. And it frankly wasn't close. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite scene is the attack okay. on, is the attack on the Gummer's. If I had to pick another one, I would probably say uh, the scene where they're having the discussion about where the Graboids are from. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, the Gummer's Rec Room is easily the best moment in this movie. Yeah, it's, it's got your favorite line. The scene is ended by my favorite line. It has the most laughs. It, it's, the design of the set is even hilarious. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's incredibly well done. All right, closing credits. 
Are there any Oscar-worthy performances in this film? Uh, hold on. Let me check through the cast list here. Any Oscar-worthy performances? Mm, that's a no for me. Hold on. I gotta see who were nominated this year. <laughs> you're you're actually going through with this, eh? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're let's considering see. It. Let's see. Oh, this is a year that we get to do. Well, not for a while. Ooh, it's gonna is be. This, is this the Dances with Wolves year? Yeah, it's gonna be a good okay. year. All right. Yeah. There's four. There's four. Oh wow! I'm really looking forward to doing this year. Uh, let's see. Any Oscar-worthy performances? Uh, no. I can't I, believe you were even considering this. Come on. Well, let's see. <laughs> let's see if Kevin Bacon could make the list here. Yeah. Mm. Let's see if Kevin Bacon could make the list. Well, let's see. I've only seen three. I've only seen three of these. Oh no, never mind. I've only seen two of these films, so I could knock one of these people out. Fucking rights. He's in. Just kidding. There's there's no Oscar-worthy performances in here. Um, that would be the biggest Homer pick of all Homer <laughs> picks if you inserted Kevin Bacon into the Oscars there. The, uh, any other ask, aspects of the film award-worthy? No. The, That's not to say all aspects of this movie are bad or anything. It, it has uh, you know competent cinematography. Functional cinematography is what I would call it. Um, and it's I don't know, but th- that would that would be about the only one that I would say is like technically good because frankly the writing is borderline bad or not even borderline bad, it's just bad at a lot of at a lot of points in this movie. The performances are really cheesy and over the top, good in their own way, but certainly not worth recognition. Yeah, I, there's nothing that is award worthy in this movie, and that is okay because it's not that kind of movie. Yep, I would have gone. This is actually before the best special effects Oscar is introduced, uh, yeah. so I could see it being that way because i love the creature design and depending uh depending on the other nominations i would definitely uh feel okay about giving that a nom but yeah uh what's the weak link of the film sam um even though there's some good laughs uh i think the dialogue just it's eye rollingly bad at a lot of points that that was what it was for me i think um I don't know. I probably could have gone with a few other things. There's a lot of campy stuff in this movie, but the dialogue is the one that comes to mind for me, at least initially. I'll go with parts of the dialogue. I I can't really dispute it, but there's so many parts in this movie that I did enjoy that I, Mm -hmm. I can't quite put it, but out of everything in this movie, I don't think there's anything really weak, but there's nothing that's really great. So, being forced to pick something as we are in this section, I will ha- I will agree and go with the dialogue. Hmm. Um, was this anyone's career highlight? God, I hope not. Maybe uh, I I will Mel- say maybe Melvin maybe Melvin Plug. <laughs> Melvin Plug, yeah, maybe, maybe. There, I'm sure there's some people in this in this movie who never really did anything again. So by default, probably. Um, I will say I, I'm not ready to declare this, but. I don't think that I've seen anything else with Fred Ward in it, so I don't really feel comfortable making that judgment. Oh, he, uh, he you know, it's fun. <laughs> he, um, <clears throat> he was in, uh, he had this great 80s action movie called Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins, mm-hmm. but it never got a second part. And the <sighs> thing I always loved about Remo Williams is that he, do- he was the bullet dodger before The Matrix. Like when when we would if you would like if you tried to throw something at 
me and I dodged it, I would say, oh, I just fucking Remo Williams you. Everybody knew that reference, and that's my what? age. Yeah. I have literally never heard of that. Yeah, because the Matrix, now it's the Matrix. Yeah, now if you dodge something, you go, whoa, Matrix. Yeah. But that was what that was synonymous with when I was growing up. But yeah, Remo Williams, he got taught by this, surprisingly, uh, uh, Asian gentleman, how to dodge bullets. And it was fucking awesome. And I remember, like, pre-Matrix, we would say it, like, everyone my age would say it all the time. If you threw, if you tried to hit me with something and you and you missed, we would go, oh, I Remo Williams did. Um, uh, I'm noticing he was in a movie that... I am almost certain you either have not seen, or if you did, you probably hated it, called 30 Minutes or Less with Jesse Eisenberg. Definitely haven't seen it. Yeah, wouldn't think so. Uh, honestly, not that good, but uh, he had a bit part in that, too. Okay. All right, so nobody's real career highlight. That's fine. Maybe, uh, actually, well, I didn't check the director. Oh, no, Ron Underwood's done actually some good stuff. Who cares? Um, MVP of the film. Oh, God. I guess uh, the two male leads. I guess. Um, they have most of the best lines in the movie. Um, maybe maybe an honorable shout-out to Michael Gross, but honestly, outside of that one scene, I didn't really particularly care. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Michael Gross as... Uh, the character's name is Bert, is it? Yeah, Bert Gummer. Yeah. Uh, so I guess uh, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward. I'm gonna, by default. I'm going to agree. I'm not by default, but because I I believe they're standouts, even though uh, you don't uh, share that they're, opinion. They're good. Just, I was I was never wowed. All right. Uh, what will be this film's legacy? Uh, a surprising success. I I guess you'd call it a cult classic. Yeah, def- it's uh, definitely. It's definitely cult that, classic. Yeah, it really failed on its initial launch, and uh, and for some reason on home video just uh, did a, a hell of a lot better. So I guess it would be a, a cult classic horror movie, a, a cheesy one at that. Yeah, I agree. This is just because this is the the very definite, like I shouldn't say the very definition, but this is a, one of the examples of a cult classic. It, it found its audience on home video. Thanks to home video, this movie became much more well known. Almost everybody's at least heard of Tremors and understands the concept of it. Uh, the, this film's legacy will be a, basically kind of a a, a a smaller cult classic. <clears throat> Would you watch this movie again? Yeah, I probably would. I 100% would. Would you recommend this movie to friends? Eh, context dependent. If they were like, hey, what's a good horror movie I should watch? Uh, Tremors, probably not it. <laughs> probably not what they have in mind. Yep. Uh, I'd say it would take a very specific kind of person in a very specific sort of situation, but yeah, I, I would recommend it. If, if they wanted like, just a dumb movie to watch and not really think about. I could recommend Tremors. I'm the same. Uh, context is needed for me to determine whether or not I would recommend this to friends. Yeah. Sam, your final thoughts on Tremors? Uh, yeah, Tremors is uh, a movie that I'm glad that I have seen multiple times, I think. I, I don't think it would get worse upon rewatch. I, I think it would still kind of hit the same. It's a fine horror movie. It's... Nothing special in my opinion. It doesn't hold the same place in my heart that it does for you. Um, but I am I'm more than happy to watch it and talk about it with you. I am so happy that you enjoyed it to the extent that you did. The two uh, two leads are probably the highlight of the movie, even though they didn't always uh, their their lines didn't always hit for me. There's some great moments. There's some not so great moments. Yeah, it's a it's an okay movie. It's fine. There's it, I'm not offended by it. It's okay. <laughs> I love this movie. Holds a special place in my heart. It's pure nostalgia. 
I grew up with this movie. I will always love this movie. Watching it brings me joy. I completely and 100% understand why some people wouldn't feel the same way as me, and I hold no ill will towards them for that feeling. I love Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward. I believe they have amazing chemistry together. I love their scenes together. I truly believe that these two are lifelong friends and that they both love and hate each other at the same time. I had a great time watching this movie. I will watch this movie again and again and again. But again, I understand completely for those of you that didn't enjoy this movie as much as me. Sam, your rating out of five. Uh, this is a pretty easy, this is a layup three for me. This is about as three as a three can get. It's a big old piece of dry white toast. <laughs> I won't lie. My prediction was actually a two from you. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. It flirted with two territory sometimes, but no. It, I I enjoyed too many parts of this movie for it to be for it to be a two. Totally fair. This is a five for me. Yeah, no surprise. Pure enjoyment, pure bliss, fun times, five for me. Sam, what's going on next week? Uh, next week, we're going to be doing our annual fan request horror episode. We did establish that it was going to be Nosferatu earlier in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm really, really excited for that. So, uh, yeah, look for that down the down the way. It's going to be episode 126, Nosferatu. All right. So if you'd like to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, you can follow us at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. You can email us at Sam Manny Movie Podcast. You can uh, follow us on Facebook at the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. And if you're sitting around with friends and you're talking about podcasts or stuff you listen to, why don't you mention this to your friends? Get the word out. Let people know about this lovely little podcast we go going on. And if you have time, just a little bit of time, I would love it if you give it a five-star review on iTunes and leave us a positive review as it does increase the profile of our podcast and allows more people to find us. If you do that for us, we would be eternally grateful. For the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. Until next week, Mother Humpers, I'm Sam Reimer. Adios!